Sherry Blair is a lecturer, barrister and writer. After leaving 10 Downing Street, she started the Sherry Blair Foundation for Women to help women build small and growing businesses in developing and emerging markets. Hi, Mrs. Blair. Thank you so much for being here today with me. It's my pleasure. Great. The first question I have for you is, what would you say you do? What is your profession? Uh, my profession is a lawyer. Uh, and these days I practice international law, which is all about solving complicated international problems around international trade and also business and human rights. That's amazing. And so what would you say as a lawyer your everyday schedule is like? I don't have an average schedule. And actually, probably throughout my life, I haven't really. Uh, as, a, as a barrister practicing in the courts, you have been in court. And when you're in court, there's fixed hours between approximately 10 and 4. So you, that would be the structure. But around that, when you're not in court, it's about preparing for cases, providing written advice. And that has always enabled me to work pretty flexibly, which was a good job, really, given that at uh, one time I had three children under five and then my husband became prime minister and I had to juggle my work, my family and doing the sort of things that people expect of the spouse of the prime minister. So that um, that uh, flexibility was very good. And still today I work flexibly. So I have my business, I have my children and grandchildren now, and I also combine that with the work that I do for the Sheree Blair Foundation for Women, which helps women entrepreneurs in low and middle income countries uh, by providing them with training in business, uh, with mentoring, with advice, with access to uh, networks and and, uh, capital to allow them to reimagine their future where their businesses can grow and expand and they can change the world. So during work being a lawyer, what would you say one of, the, one of the biggest challenges have been for you? And what did you learn from that? The biggest challenge for me was that uh, was back in when I started, which is way back in 1976. Um, and I was, a, I was a, a girl. I had no lawyers in my family. I was the first person in my family to go to university. I had no contacts, but I was lucky enough to, to be quite good at the law. And so I ended up top of the, uh, the qualifying exam for barristers in the country and I thought that just being good at exams was enough but it was only when I entered the workplace that I realized I had a big disadvantage and that disadvantage was being a woman and so that was quite a shock to me because I thought if you were just good I think many young women think this as long as I'm good and I get everything do well then everything should be fine but actually society then was very much male-dominated. There was only 10% of the barristers were women at the time. And there were many stereotypical attitudes about women and about what they should and should not do, including just uh, the, the leading training textbook would say that women weren't really designed to be barristers because their voices weren't loud enough, which I always thought was absurd because I'm sure that Professor Gren- Granville Williams's wife was, could probably shout at him quite loudly if she wanted to. But who knows? So, yes, and, and now, if you ask me about going into my professional law, is being a woman a disadvantage? I'd say not to gain entry. No, we've got 50% of women in the, in, in, coming in through university, through the professional training, uh, but it's still a disadvantage as you look over five, ten years, and slowly we see we women fall behind, and this is the perennial problem, not just in the law, but in all industries, about how do you balance work and life, and particularly the assumption that 
child rearing and the primary household duty, the primary person to do household duties and child rearing is the woman, and the man can do other things and doesn't need to worry about that. And so, talking about you know work and everything, what would you say one of your proudest moments has been at work, or even at home, just anything? One of your proudest moments in that? Well, because I, I probably would say this, wouldn't I? But on a personal level. Um, I would have said it was it was my my four children, but actually now I'm, I'm I think I'm really proud of how three of those four children, because one of them is still only twenty, have turned out to be really good parents, and particularly that my boys are very hands on. So I I used to have this nightmare that one day they they'd come home and say, "And Mum, I'm, I'm I'm going to marry this girl, and her job is going to be to stay at home and cook and clean for me," uh, and neither of my sons has done that. They've married very uh, impressive career woman, one of them a solicitor, one of them in um, finance. And uh, they have, uh, you know, they expect, and the boys have uh, taken much greater share of the, the childcare and home arrangements than their father did. And actually, that's not to say that my husband actually wasn't a bit ahead of his time, because he did do... Uh, a lot more than many of his peers. It's just uh, he certainly didn't do 50%. Actually, I'm not sure my sons do 50%, but they're doing a bit better than their father. <laughs> oh, great. No, they sound like that. They're amazing guys. And so uh, stepping away from work, who would you say your role model is if you do have one and why? Away from... Uh, look, I have... To, there were two, two role models I can speak of. The first one yeah. is actually a work role model, and that was Rose Harbour. Oh. Rose Halbron was the first woman to become a QC, which she did in 1949. And when I became a QC in 1995, I was only the 76th woman to become a QC. So it was still quite, quite rare. Um, and, and Rose was from Liverpool. She was a Jewish girl from, from Liverpool. She, she was married. She had a daughter who I know. Her daughter went on to become a QC herself. And... Um, she was very famous in Liverpool, and my grandmother, who helped bring me up, was a very big admirer of Rose Halbron. And so, for some reason, I thought if one girl from Liverpool can make it in the law, maybe this girl from Liverpool can make it in the law. And I hope that some of the young women, whether from Liverpool or not, listening to this podcast, think when she can do it, so can I, because you can. Amazing. Thank you so much for that advice. And Mrs. Blair, I know you have a daughter, and so if you could, even any young girls out there, if you could give them one piece of advice when they were, you know, when your daughter was younger, what would it be? What was it? Well, my, I'm very proud of my daughter too. She is also a barrister and she's just become a, um, a mother. But, you know, I think the advice I would give any young woman is believe in yourself. Because if you mm. don't believe in yourself, how can you expect anyone else to believe in you? And you deserve to believe in yourself. And if you do so, uh, you'll go far. Incredible. And so you're obviously a very successful woman. And so I was wondering, what defines success for you? And what also motivates you to then achieve that success? I think that's a very uh, difficult question. The success yeah. comes at very different levels, doesn't it? I mean, obviously for me, uh, being a lawyer, becoming a Queen's Counsel, which is the highest uh, level I could go to as a, as a lawyer and then a judge, uh, that was my goal and, 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 and that was good. But, you know... Uh, I'm more I, I'm also I've set up my foundation and to see that grow so that over the last 11 years 
we've managed to support 175,000 women entrepreneurs by using technology to help them grow and expand their businesses. Uh, sometimes I imagine how could I, when I started off in my kitchen table, ever even think that this could happen? But as I said, I, be I believed we could make it happen and we did. And then finally, of course, and most importantly, because on my deathbed, I suppose, uh, the most important thing will be, you know, my family and all those, all their achievements, including, of course, most of all, the, the amazing achievements of my husband. Which, by the way, is another piece of advice to young women. Marry well. Make sure you have a, have a man who's, uh, who also wants you to achieve your dreams. You sound like a lot like my mum. I think that's great. And and your so, mum's a very wise woman. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> She's going to love that you said that. So we talked earlier about, you were talking about how it's quite hard, it was quite hard for, you know, a woman in your business. And so one of my, my, one of my final questions is, what do you think the pros and cons of being a woman in your industry are, if you don't mind elaborating more on that? Well, I think today, as I said, the, the pros of being a, a woman, woman lawyer are that actually there are opportunities now for you to enter the profession. Mm -hmm. The cons are that we still haven't achieved equality in the profession. So if you look at the number of women partners, there are uh, there, there, there's, there's a significant drop uh, compared to, 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 to men. When we look at the number of women judges, there are, yes, it's getting better. Uh, we have judges now who are women all the way up to our Supreme Court. But we also uh, see the figures that they're still in the uh, early 20% women compared to men. Uh, but as a as a as a, a job, I mean, when I was wondering what I should study in university, my then boyfriend's mother said to me, "But Sheree, you love arguing and talking. Uh, have you mm -hmm. ever thought of being a lawyer? And if you <laughs> if you like following an argument, if you if you like the sound of your own voice, it's not a bad profession." <laughs> Wonderful. And so my final question for you is why do you think education is important for women all around the world? Education is the key to the door. It will give you the key so you can open the door. Whether you'll be able to walk through that door depends on how society treats women. So, you know, as I said before, my education got me the key to the door and I opened it, but I found it harder to walk through that door in the reality of the workplace than I'd expected. That doesn't mean that because of changes in our society, I wasn't able to do it. I was. But when you look at the statistics, you'll see two thirds of the world are literate are women and girls. Uh, you'll see still young girls because of child marriage who want as soon as they get married at 13, 14, 15, you know, that's the end of their schooling. Uh, you know, that's a terrible waste of resources we still know about violence against against women so it's uh education is really important uh but there are other assumptions about what the role for women is or is not that can still hold uh women back but the key to this you know is to work together and that's why with our women's foundation we put a lot of emphasis on building up women's confidence and also linking them together in networks so that they can support each other. Yeah. So if we, yes. if we support each other um, and realise our power, then we can change things. Well, thank you so much, Mrs Blair, for your incredible words. And thank you so much for taking the time out to, for, to do this.
It's absolutely a pleasure.